You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You are listening to Tales from the Field, presented by Outdoor Edge. Stories, tips, tactics, and in-depth conversations coming to you from industry leaders. Let's get into the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another podcast. Uh, this is your host Zach Harold. Today we have Scott Thompson from Utah on the podcast, and uh, he and I are just we're going to talk about some public land hunting, and probably get into a little bit of mule deer and and kind of whatever else we get into. Uh, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast today, Scott. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I I always see, I always see great big bucks coming through your feed, and, um, you know, in one or two big bucks, you're like, okay, cool, but when you see start seeing it consistently, um, it, I always really like getting people like that, like yourself, on the podcast and just having a conversation with because consistency is is something that that once that starts happening, you know, it's different than once every five years. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. It was a couple of years ago, you know, that I decided that if I was going to chase one species, and mule deer has always been my favorite, I mean, that's what I had to commit myself to. I mean, I like chasing elk. I like seeing elk. I like chasing, you know, pronghorn, antelope, and doing. I like anything outdoors, but my true passion has become mule deer over the years. So, that's what I've focused on. That's awesome. So when when you you know, because I I know some mule deer hunters out there that yes, they kill a great mule deer every year, but um, you know, to them they they focus on maybe one state a year and i know i know that it seems like you typically hunt multiple states a year so when when you decide to um to focus on just mule deer and it comes time for say application season which is as crazy as that sounds that's for some states it's only two months away (laughs) correct 
You know, so when you decide to start doing that, do you have certain states that are kind of on a rotation and you hunt maybe every other year? Um, and then other states you hunt more frequently? What What is kind of your, um, you know, your, your application strategy um, to kind of start off with all of your, your research and everything like that? Yeah, I like I like the not so popular units, you know, and I like tags that are easy to get because I feel like a guy can do more damage when he can hunt a unit more often than waiting, you know, several years for that unit or that area. So I I usually like to put four or five tags in my pocket a year. Um, over the counter stuff, I'll pick up as many as I can there, and then I'll obviously rotate a few different states through that take, you know, three, four, five, six years to draw. Uh, my biggest thing is just like right now, you know, I'm trying to get my schedule laid out and trying not to overlap hunts, trying not to not to get so crammed up, you know, because time is time is the most important thing. We're all limited on that. So just picking up the over the counters is obviously a, a guarantee. And then, you know, getting on gun hunting or go hunting, looking at uh, draw odds and trying to pick my plan from there is is the second part of the plan. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and are you throwing in, uh, you know, archery hunts as well as rifle hunts, or do you focus on one over the other? No, I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, man. There's a couple states out there that, uh, you know, like Idaho, where you you apply and you pretty well get the tag, you know, and uh-huh. at least for the general tag. And I just kind of counting on it. You know what I mean? I guess that's a state I'd like to go to. So let's go ahead and apply, you know. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. They've, threw, they've thrown a definite swing in things this next year, but that's that's all right. Yes, yeah, I I didn't look through everything that they changed up. I just I got the email that said, "Hey, we're changing some stuff," and I didn't I didn't read all about it yet. So I'm uh, I, I haven't heard. There's some people that seem to not be overly happy with it, and other people who are kind of middle of the road. So right. I guess we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so. As you're, you know, as you're looking and you're trying not to to overlap your hunts, um, how much time do you typically allot per hunt? And you know, because obviously it probably falls into to how much time you may be able to get off work or things like that. I guess I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure what you do for a living, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky enough to work in some family-owned businesses, so I do have a little time, um, but I wouldn't say it's a lot of time. You know, and that's another thing going back to those over-the-counter tags or those easy-to-get draw tags. You know, I mean, the first few years, you're going to spend more time there trying to learn the area. Mm-hmm. But as you kind of perfect those areas and learn, learn what you like about those areas, then it takes less and less time. Correct. And I found the exact same thing. I think, uh, uh, hands down, the more time you spend in a unit hunting, uh, the more likely you are to kind of shorten the amount of time it's going to take you to come away with something that you're happy with. And obviously for each person that's completely different, but, um, yeah, I just, I 100% agree with you. And I've been talking about it for a while that, that, man, spending time somewhere is where it's really at, in my opinion, too. I just, 
you just learn so much more the more time you put in, you know? Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the key to success is knowing what's there, um, what quality of animals you're, you know, you're going to be pursuing and, and the terrain. And obviously, you know, like some of these, some of these areas out West is the movement of the animals. If you don't know that, and if you're not on top of that, then you can be hunting in completely the wrong areas. Yeah, for sure. And what I've, what I've also found super helpful, probably much like you have is, once you start to learn where animals are or whatever else, sometimes, as you know, you might find a, a really nice pocket or bull or whatever that the deer really like. And the first time you put a stock on something in that pocket, you don't really know the lay of the land. You don't know what's right over that ridge. And there might be some micro topography that can really help you get closer. And until you're actually there and you're in it, you don't know that. And then here you are the next year and you see another deer up in that pocket and you're like, aha, th this one's going to go smoother because I, <laughs> I, I know how to get there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Not only that, but I mean, you think about it, you, you learn a lot from unsuccessful stocks, unsuccessful hunts and, you know, you find a deer and you pursue that deer and it doesn't work out. You end up finding that deer in a different location. You know, their secondary location that they feel more secure and you can be, uh, you can be really dangerous when you learn that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. So in your opinion, how long does it typically take you to, to learn that, that level of knowledge? Cause it's even going one year, maybe even two years, you might not pick up on that kind of stuff. Um, so in your opinion, all that, all that in-depth information that you just described, how long is that typically taking you to pick up on? Um, I go a lot by luck. So some of it you get the first year, some of it you don't get till the fourth or fifth year. Right. It just depends, you know. Um, yeah, it's, that's a game of, of pure luck, I believe. Gotcha, so gotcha. Once, once you find those nooks and crannies that those deer, you know, obviously pull off of the high country or out of more more over hunted areas and they pull into those more dense or lower elevations or just hidden pockets those those are the gems i feel like and those those are what holds the bigger more mature animals because they've avoided avoided danger for longer periods of time exactly yep yep and and are you finding that that you know that those those pockets like that are you finding that that they kind of all have a little bit of the same thing maybe maybe they all have some type of water source or maybe they all have some type of vegetation that's most prominent and the deer really like that or maybe they all have you know they're they're way more secluded or they're just in an overlooked area or are you not really finding any correlation between any of them um, no, I would say seclusion is definitely one and overlooked is another one. Um, also, like their escape routes. I feel like when when they get pressure in these smarter, more mature animals, they have, you know, they can be out in the open early. And once that hunt comes and they, they fall into these smaller, more remote areas. And I feel like the biggest key to them staying survive is having more escape routes, you know, more dense cover, stuff like that. So... I feel like their homes get smaller, they get tighter, and and, and that's why they where, where they find themselves feeling more safe. Gotcha, and you know I, that's something that I think is um, 
I don't know if overlooked is the right word, but it might be, you know, the importance of knowing an animal's escape route. Because mm-hmm. uh, probably like you, I've seen seen big mill deer jump up and before you know it, they're gone. And then you see them one more split second, then they're gone. And you go Correct. back in there and maybe maybe a couple weeks later or whatever, and the same thing happens. And pretty quick, I don't know about you, but in my mind, especially if I'm hunting in a butt with a buddy, I'm thinking, okay, you go right over there where I last saw him two times in a row, and I'm going to come over here, and if he jumps up, he's coming right to you. <laughs> yeah, for sure, especially early season. I mean, we've been lucky enough to take a couple bucks doing that exact method. I mean, they're almost impossible to kill, you know, in their bedding area or, or where they're they're feeding so we'll do we'll enforce a push and i mean it's kind of the old school method but those mule deer are creatures of habit and they will use that escape route yeah one over and over again yeah yeah it's and it's you you, i don't know you kind of almost too get get to where where you can kind of guess where where their escape route might be you might not be 100 percent on but you know, I've noticed that some of the escape rugs kind of, kind of get to where they they look similar. You know, whether it be up through that saddle and then around that face, and then they're gone. You know. Yeah, usually the easiest and quick quickest route for sure is a key giveaway. Yeah, and then and then like you say, they're they're gone, gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you won't see them anymore. You know, it's and it's. I've always found it interesting how quick they're able to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, um, I was fortunate enough to chase a deer this year that absolutely, he run me through the ringer in the state of Idaho. Um, I've known he was there for a few years and the deer seemed to be a little, I don't know, the population was a little down this year in Idaho. And <laughs> so I referred back to him because I had a lot of knowledge on him and I not only, he not only burned me with the bow, but he burned me with a rifle too. But to watch that buck's movements and I mean, I had him dialed. I knew exactly which way he wanted to go out. I knew exactly, exactly where he wanted to bed. And that one, that one still haunts me today. And he's, he lives to see another year. (laughs) Some, some of them. And those are the ones that I like the most, you know, that they might not have the biggest set of horns on the hill, but they absolutely know their home and they have perfected, the method to avoid the public and um that that to me really really drives me to hunt them a little harder yeah and and so so what were what were some of the strategies that you used to that you used to hunt that deer and 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 learn more information about that deer and what i mean by that is were you were the strategies that were you using that you were in there in tight trying to get him killed or were you kind of observing and glassing from a long ways away or maybe you're doing all that kind of stuff i'm not sure um but to have that much history with a deer um it it you don't you definitely don't learn it all at once you know so what kind of stuff were you doing to hunt that deer and to learn more about him so with the archery equipment i was getting in there with him he um i mean to to paint a picture of this it was a very i mean you would think simple place to harvest a mule deer um he would feed out on one finger um he had four or five different deer that he traveled with in the summertime and then they would come through a small saddle and lay on the backside of this really steep nasty nasty mountain 
Um, so my game plan was obviously to get ahead of them. I didn't want to try and bother them while they were out feeding. Um, I, I was, I was waiting for them to come back in and cross underneath me to go on their way to their bedding area. Um, so three times, I mean, those deer come within bow range, but there was no shot opportunities, just very dense, thick cover. So right. was that just, I mean, that's lucky that they picked that place for a home and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't pull it, couldn't pull it off. So then when it come, come time to hunt them with a rifle, you know, you get across Canyon you watch their movements and you close the distance to where you feel comfortable shooting with a rifle and shoot across Canyon. But this buck would move. I mean, he'd be in the cover just before shooting light and he wouldn't come out until after dark. And I knew he was in there. Um, the first, the first little bit of the hunt, I obviously didn't pressure him and I just kind of watched him and hoped for that opportunity. I seen him a few times, but I never had the, had the chance at a shot. And then as the hunt grew near the end, I started getting in there and trying to, um, steal hunt him. And yeah, I tried all the tactics on this guy. And like I said, he's, He's there for another year. <laughs> <laughs> that is so it, it, you know, I guess in, in, at the end of the day, these animals are out there to survive and right. it's just, it, it just amazes me, um, how smart they get and just, it, it, it's just crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. To watch him, you know, change his habits of when he was feeding when, you know, in the daylight or shooting hours. Once the velvet come off is when those hours of operation for him change dramatically. They just, uh, I mean, he's like, I'd guess he's a six, seven year old, maybe eight year old deer. He, he just knows the game and it's pretty cool. And I mean, I can't tell you how many days I went up there and those bucks that he was with would stay out and feed and he was not with them, but I knew he was right there close that his his habits had changed over the years and he knew what to do <laughs> oh boy so uh, you know with that um do you do you then so idaho for instance um mm-hmm. after something like that happens and you've committed to that deer and things just don't work out is it off to plan b um, for the last couple of days of the season, or are you with a deer like that? Are you just committed? And if you don't fill your tag, you don't fill your tag. Yeah. 100% committed. He was, it was him or nothing. That's awesome. I, I find, I, I find that hard for myself personally. Cause I, if I'm going to travel all this way or something like that, it comes down to the last couple of days that I'm going to be there. And it's like, <laughs> I am going to, I am going to shoot some, especially cause the majority of the hunts that I go do are a bow hunt <clears throat> and uh-huh. I, I tend to self film also. And I, I do, I'll find myself, um, and I typically don't have any time to scout, so I don't have any history with any of the deer. Um, okay. so I'll typically go in there and I'll find myself being picky the first couple of days, but man, the last couple of days, it's like, <laughs> it's like a whole different ball game. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So well, I, mean, I, I applaud it, it you. On, I mean, yeah, it, it depends on the state you're at and right. what you got going on. But I mean, I, fortunately i live pretty close to idaho and i get to spend a lot of time there gotcha and so knowing about this deer and the other deer i'd scouted i mean he was obviously the best and i just didn't have any interest in anything else at the time so he was the one 
No, that to me that makes sense, and and like I say, I I applaud you because uh, I, I I don't find anything wrong with it whatsoever. I think it just takes a certain mindset, uh, you know, to be like, hey, look, if I end up not filling my tag, then no big deal, because um, sometimes that's hard to do, um, especially I think especially when you're you know just starting off or whatever. I think just going yeah you know if i don't feel it it's no big deal i think it's much harder when you're just starting off than when you have quite a few big bucks and things like that under your belt you know what i mean correct yeah no i i agree with that so with with your scouting uh you know you mentioned idaho is pretty close so you get to scout some stuff um are you are you putting quite a lot of weight in your scouting or are you scouting in, even if you don't see something, uh, you're still, I mean, obviously you're still going to go hunt it, but, um, like well, how does, how does your strategy change if you go scout it and you find a really good buck that excites you, or if you go scout it and you don't find a good buck, does that make sense? You bet. And, uh, I mean, that's a very good question for me. Scouting is everything. And, you know, I, I get to hunt late hunts too. And I've said all this before. I like to know what I'm going after 100% of the time. And on another note, those late hunts, you don't really get to scout those because the rut kicks in and things are changing. And when I don't know what I'm pursuing or I'm in the middle of those late, those late hunts, I am, my anxiety is just out the roof. I can't handle it. So that's a big difference about me is I I'm want to hunt a deer I know about. I mean, it doesn't only up your odds of success, but it just... You know, I find myself when I'm hunting just to be hunting, I can make mistakes and shoot animals that I, you know, would have not usually shot unless I knew something prior. Gotcha. So, so almost like, um, almost like you could go into an area and if you hadn't scouted it, you see a, a buck that's pretty good and you're like, awesome. You go and you shoot that deer and then on your way out, you see a buck that's a lot bigger. And in your mind, you're like, man, if I'd have scouted that, I would have known. Is that kind of what I'm gathering? Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, it's it's hard to get everywhere and scout everything. It's it's actually impossible. But it's I just can't emphasize the importance of the scouting because, I, you know, I'll pull like a tag in New Mexico and I don't know anything about it. And that's 10 hours for me. And I'll make a trip in the summer just to see it, learn it, and hopefully find an animal that I like because that's where my confidence comes in and that's where that's where my comfort comes in of just just scouting, learning, seeing and knowing. And I I've, I've noticed that too. Uh, you know, I, I I've noticed that even if I don't have much time or any time at all to go scout because what happens to me is I film, I run a media company where I film hunts. Mm-hmm. So August all the way until, I mean, I still have a couple to go this year, right? So pretty much I use up all my, <laughs> all my, um, honey, go ahead and travel cards for, for going, you know, <laughs> for going and filming. So when it comes time to actually go hunting, it's like, Hey, I, I'm going to go the four or five days that I have to hunt. And I'm just going to go hunt as hard as I can. And, and I, I 100% agree that scouting is extremely beneficial um i just know like in my situation and especially somebody this may be in pennsylvania and they drew a montana tag my gosh coming 30 some odd hours out to scout is 
That's so rough. So if you ever have something like that, do you do, you know, Google Earth type scouting and Onyx and that kind of stuff, I would assume as well? Or or are you just kind of going off more, um, you know, mapping and then, and then putting a ton of weight on scouting? Because you already said that scouting is a huge thing to you, but what what other type of um, preparation things do you do besides getting boots on the ground? Um, so worst case scenario, you know, if I can't make it there and I, I, I mean, I, I e-scout it like crazy. Gotcha. So one of the biggest things over the years that I've learned is that I have to make a plan and stick to that plan. So sometimes I used to find myself just driving and driving and looking and looking. But if I e-scout a unit that I absolutely cannot make it to and I make a plan of attack and attack that plan, I am much more deadly rather than, you know, you know what I'm trying to say is yep. make a route, stick to that route and just don't get sidetracked because I think the worst thing you can do is just spend so much time in the vehicle driving, looking for something to look at. Whereas if you would have e-scouted it, known the ridges, known the lookout points, you are saving so much valuable time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I've actually literally found myself in that exact same scenario you just mentioned where I'm out there, I had this plan, and maybe I start with my plan, and the start of my plan just sucks. And yep. it, you know, it doesn't go, so then... As you know, you start reeling in your mind thinking, man, maybe my plan just sucks. Maybe I should do something different. That over there looks pretty good. But on my plan, it's just to go over here. Yep. And I've noticed the same thing. If you just if you just have a plan, and maybe by the time day four comes and you've gone through all your plan, then mm-hmm. it's time to, okay, well, I – and obviously, you can always call it audible, right? You make a plan and you're seeing a huge concentration of deer over here for whatever reason. At that point, scouting can't tell you that. E-scouting can't tell you that. Correct. No, you're absolutely right. Yep. And then you might look over there and say, okay, clearly I'm seeing 50 deer over here just glassing and I haven't even gone over there yet. And the spot that my plan wanted me to go, I'm seeing 15 deer. I think it'd be smart to focus over there, which makes perfect sense. But I have been in that exact same boat where it's like, uh, I don't know if I want to keep following my plan. <laughs> yeah. And then you just get in that mindset of kind of uh, almost like a blah mindset. And you're driving around. You're thinking to yourself, well, if I could go here, but I only have two days left and maybe I should go there. And, and you just end up going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, it's just it's wandering. When you get wandering, I just the odds of being successful are very slim, I think. So even if your plan looks bad or something looks better, try to stick stay tight in your plan you know what i mean it's instead of bouncing from one end of the unit to the other i mean that that can be okay but if you're already in a location i mean i'm a firm believer that there are there are a lot of good deer in every unit and the more time you spend even if you don't like the area the more time you spend there the chances are you're going to find something no matter what right yep yep i agree i agree so um when it comes time to uh you know you you had mentioned that you're looking at um at several states basically you're going to draw those every year 
and mm-hmm. then other states you're counting on on kind of on a, a rotation. Correct. Um, the states that you're counting on a rotation, are you because you don't get to hunt those every year? It might be every three or every four years, or I'm not sure how long rotation is for you, but. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to still hunt the same places or are you just like, Hey, if I only get to hunt it once every four years, I might as well go to a new spot every year. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time on winter range as well. Gotcha. So, so Nevada is one I really like, but Nevada is not easy to get tags in. Hell no, it isn't. Pisses so, me off. <laughs> I can't draw a tag on Nevada. Save my life. <laughs> yeah. Nevada is probably one of my all time favorites and I, I don't get to hunt it very often. So I'll make a lot of trips out there. I mean, if I get a break during the fall and I'm lucky enough to get some time to go out there, I'll go out there during the hunt, look around. If not, I'll spend a lot of time on the winter range, seeing what's going on. And, you know, if the winter range doesn't, you know, it fits down and I'm not seeing what I normally see, then obviously my rotation, I would try and try and account for that and get it back in line with, with being able to hunt and see good deer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, uh, when you are applying for your tags, are you, uh, you know, I obviously mentioned you'll hunt whatever tag you can get, but Mm -hmm. do you try to get a tag that, uh, that can roll over into a rifle tag? Cause I know, you know, Colorado, obviously when you apply for a tag in Colorado, you get an archery tag. And even if you don't shoot something with your bow, you're done. Um, Wyoming, obviously you probably know. If you want to go bow hunting, cool. If you don't get one with your bow, then go rifle hunting. Um, are you kind of looking for states that offer that type of opportunity more more than you know just a weapon specific tag, or is it still the same? You just hunt what tag you can get. Um, I'll take what tag I can get, but those those states that do offer you know a, an archery and then it turns into a rifle, that helps. And usually, I'll utilize that archery if I'm unfamiliar with the area to mainly just scout you know i mean i'll take a bow i'll buy a i'll buy a bow permit but i i try to scout it more than i would hunt it okay if if i end up finding something good then i'll i'll turn that scouting trip into a hunt if not then i'm not feeling bad but i'm not pursuing animals that makes sense that makes sense if you if you see a good buck that that you're wow that that's a big buck let's go let's go make a stock if it if it works but if not hey look what i found (laughs) yep exactly oh that's 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 good um you know what i would kind of like to uh, i would kind of like to end with maybe two things one um I would like to in have you share maybe one of one of your strategies that you feel has helped you um, in be you know helped you being successful, uh, whether it be sitting on a knob before before light and being there and ready to glass, or maybe maybe it's using their tracks to see that there's big bucks in the area. I, I don't know what that what that strategy might be, um, but I'm just curious if there's one that. One that you kind of seem to lean on that you feel has been the most productive for you. The biggest one that comes to mind is the middle of the day. Hmm. Um, I have probably killed 60%, maybe 70% of my best mule deer in the middle of the day. So in the middle of the day, I, I think of that as two things. Number one is obviously patience. If you know something's there, you've got to stick it out and you've got to wait it out. Um, so many guys are still the morning, afternoon, 
they don't hunt middle of the day. The middle of the day is so productive, it's crazy. So if I know an animal's there, I'm going to sit on, I'm going to wait on him all day. I'm not going to move. If I do not have an animal that I'm chasing and I am just hunting a unit, so say Colorado, like a third season, then I'm I'm tracking, I'm looking for does all day long. And then, you know, in the, in the morning, in the evenings, I'll utilize my, my go-to spots, but that middle of the day is, is a producer and, um, not a lot, not a lot of guys utilize that. Gotcha. So with that, when you said, you know, if I know a buck is in the area and you'll just sit and wait all day, um, is, are, are you typically with, say, within rifle range at, at that time where you're just there, you're waiting, you're ready if, if a shot opportunity, you know, presents itself, awesome? Or are you back a ways and hoping that he puts himself in a position where you can get closer? Yeah, it could be 50-50, honestly. Okay. Um, I, I prefer to be a long, long ways away and let them make a mistake and then move in. Um, if if you're lucky enough and have a knob where you can visually see a lot of the area and be in range, that's even better. But it, uh, it honestly lays out 50, 50. Sometimes I'm a long, long ways away. And other times I'm, I'm in shooting distance. Awesome. Awesome. And the last thing that, that I would kind of like to end the podcast with is just maybe, maybe one of your most memorable hunts. And maybe it wasn't one where you shot the deer. Maybe it was one where you learned a bunch. Maybe, maybe it was one where you shot, your biggest buck to date i I don't know um obviously most memorable means so much so many different things to so many different people um so yeah i just kind of maybe like to end the podcast with that perfect yeah you hit the you hit the nail on the head you'd think obviously my favorite hunt would be my biggest deer and i've had i've had this question asked a lot you know my my favorite hunt and and it's a difficult question for me because I love every single one of them. Every single one of them has been a great experience. I've learned from every single one of them. Um, I'm rolling them through my head right now. I'm just trying to think about one, but it just comes down to the difficulty and how much that deer worked me as a hunter, you know, and how, how much he strained my nerves. And that's what makes a hunt to me, not necessarily the inches that are on his head. Um, I will share one. Uh, the last trip to Nevada, my brother and I drew some tags. It's a, it's a unit where you have options. You can hunt really high or you can hunt the desert. Um, I've hunted the unit in the past, and I knew where we wanted to be. We got in there on some horses. We spent six days in the high country. Seen some phenomenal deer, had some failed stalks. Uh, my brother was able to take a really good deer on the first trip. The second trip, we went back and there had been some serious weather in the high country. So I told my brother, I says, look, we're going to go to the desert and we're going to try and turn some stuff up. And the neatest thing about this hunt was, is I'd looked at some areas that I wanted to try. And when we got out there, my brother looked at me like, I don't know what we're doing here <laughs> because if there was a jackrabbit out here, I could see it. And I says, I says, look, this is what we got. This is what I put the last three days into. It's just what we're going to try. And we were able to turn up so many deer 
in that desert, that was probably one of the neatest things I've ever seen. So I'd never touched this desert. I'd never seen it. I just had thought about it and wanted to, wanted to hunt it. So we were forced into hunting it because of, you know, the weather in the high country and um, just covering those washes and tiny little um, sagebrush draws. And it was really neat. And I was able to harvest. I mean, it wasn't a big deer, you know, it's probably like 170, but when that buck stood up with two other bucks and the terrain he was in and I was able to harvest him, that was a very neat experience for both my brother and I. Because, I mean, you shouldn't find deer where we were finding deer. You know, they shouldn't even live out there. Right. And uh, I just think back on that and what we learned from that, what we gained from that. And, I mean, I'd go back and hunt it any day now. That's so cool. That, I, I, I enjoy hunting the desert as well and and it still amazes me where you can find a deer i mean much like you said you look out there and you think to yourself why would anything want to be out here yep (laughs) and then before you know it oh there's a deer oh look there's another one look at that buck holy crap (laughs) yep yep exactly right (laughs) oh well awesome scott well i I can't thank you enough for hopping on the podcast today. Uh, I learned I learned a lot, and I really enjoyed our conversation. and And yeah, again, I I just uh, I appreciate you taking the time to to hop on the podcast today. Thank you, Zach. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for listening in. Be sure to like comment, subscribe, and share. We hope to have you tuning in for the next episode.